Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. You're listening to the Fight Night Podcast on Talk Sport with me, Gareth Davies, Spencer Oliver, with me this week. Joining us first on this week's podcast. Mr. Frank Warren to talk about last week's events in Saudi Arabia involving his fighter Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. Well, the event, as far as the fans, was a, was a magnificent event. It was a good fight. Um, you know, it was an absorbing fight, edge of the seat stuff, and uh, he did extremely well, Ngannou. And, you know, he sh- I mean, look, you know yourself, Gareth, from the beginning, I, I said this fellow will come to fight. He's a he is a fighter. He's got a fighting heart. He's you know he's a he can punch. What shocked me was the first round the way he shaped up, and switch hitting in the fight, and he could jab, and he'd done well. Tyson wasn't at his best, but I thought Tyson. Well, I mean I've watched it back again, and Tyson, and I think the uh, punch stacks confirmed that he you know that he won the fight by uh, five few rounds. Um, but the, but as everybody everybody goes with underdogs, don't they? And we all do that. I'm I'm guilty of that. And Nagano done brilliantly for himself and come away with a lot of kudos. Well, on the on the eye test, you know, the fact that Nagano knocked Tyson down in the eighth minute and yeah. the fact that he was vicious in the eighth round. I think when people aren't scoring it, they make it that much closer. Do you think? There's an element that he couldn't help himself in a way of Tyson underestimating Francis Ngannou uh, in, no. in the fact it was his first boxing match and that no. he's an MMA fighter. I think Tyson Tyson's a very honest guy. He said what he had to say, which he trained hard for it. He, he was in a full camp, no problems or anything in the camp. He had a, he, he had a, his seventh um, child was born, and obviously that 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 happened during the camp, and he's not seen seen the baby I think only a couple of times and that might have been a distraction but I'm not using that at all because it was it, you know that that's not there weren't no um excuses at the end of the day you my thing about this the fellow could punch and he showed that in the third round the, the, the another thing is and I'm sure Spencer as being a fighter would know that you know would, I hopefully would agree with me when you're training to fight somebody 
you normally you, you've got video footage in this day and age. Uh, you can study it the same as any football team would do against the other team. They'll look at it and sort their tactics out. There's no footage of this guy in a boxing ring because he's never been in a boxing ring. Mm-hmm. And Did he you... turned out to be a better boxer than, than was anticipated because none of us thought he would be a boxer. All afterwards, as I said, he'd be a strong sod and he would, you know, he would be there throwing his bombs and would try and uh, put Tyson out of his, out of his stride. And, and that's what it was. But look, he had, a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the Tyson we all know in the ring. It just for some reason he just wasn't you know, he just wasn't there with it. And uh it's done now. The fight's gone, done. It's a win again and uh, now we're on to the fight that everybody wants to see with him and Usyk. Frank, I think the reason why Tyson didn't put in a vintage performance, this is speaking as an ex-fighter, is because I don't think the fear factor was there because he didn't know what he was going yeah. into with mm, Garner, and mm. he's thinking he's coming into a dis- different discipline. The you sharpener know, Tyson, that he needed. The Ty- sharpener, Ty- yeah. Tyson Fury you know, is the number one yeah, of this generation, yeah, and he's yeah. thinking, don't, don't it, like, Do you even know what, though he's mate, training yeah. as hard as he is, are there, a fear factor's not there, Frank, you... Box below par, that is a fact. Do you know something? And, 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 you know, that is a very, very valid point. Mm. A very valid point. And what's annoyed me about it, you know, whatever it was, his performance wasn't as he usually is. And, you know, everybody accepts that and understands that. What annoys me, though, everybody said mismatch, won't go one round. Exhibition. Exhibition. Mm. Exhibition. (laughs) That looked like an exhibition. Did you call it an exhibition, Spencer Oliver? Spencer Oliver never called it an exhibition. I knew it was a 10 round professional concert. I knew exactly what it was. And I think I I fell into, I should bow my head in shame as well, like everybody else, because we fell into some people. No, 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 no. The majority of the the, the majority of the public, 99% of them, because we all thought we underestimated what Francis Ngannou could do. Yes, Tyson Fury boxed below par for the reasons that I've just said. But no one knew how good Ungani was, and the way that he held his ground, he had the actual game plan where he was holding his feet, making Tyson come to him, which Tyson no, 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 didn't we, we expect. Saw, yeah. No, no, hang on a minute. We yeah. saw no, no, but when, we saw all that in the fight. But yeah. you weren't saying that beforehand. No one was because they no, gave him uh, no chance at all. That's what I just said. But most no, that's people what I'm, gave that's what I'm talking about. No chance. That's what I'm talking. No, we all. But this is a guy that was. A, this was a guy that was oh. a UFC heavyweight champion. Absolutely. No one gave him the credit. He we deserved all made the mistakes. Yeah, exactly. We all made the mistake. I'll tell you. You know, for me. I did as well. I mean, I I generally thought Tyson would. I'll be honest. I thought he'd stop him. I thought he'd be dangerous, which he he was. You know that that goes without saying. He's a competitor. He's the best at what he does in his business. Mm. He's a tough sod. The only the only thing you had to look at, which I looked at, was him at UFC. And as I said, I knew he'd be tough. However, what um, what 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 as I say, what we nobody expected him to be to 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 fight like he did and, and box like he did. And most importantly, the fans did get entertained. But what is, you know, even after the fight, people were not giving, you know, just still sort of basically slagging it off. And I don't get that. I, I don't, don't think people that. are so much, actually, Frank. I don't agree with you on that. Um, do you think this is maybe an interesting one to answer? In a sense, we had two winners on the night. Nagano kind of won the crowd mm-hmm. in the event and a lot of observers. Tyson won the points decision. Do you think the performance damaged... Um, uh, Fury's reputation in any way? No, I don't think it does. I think people, you know, people would want to trash him. I mean, I was reading, what's his name, Andy Dunn in one of the papers, The Mirror, wherever it is, saying about Tyson, you know, basically saying he was average and says, what's he, you know, what's he done over over the, over his career? And he didn't even, and he missed out the Klitschko fight. Mm. I mean, mm. that, you know, that, that's that's what annoys me is the, it's the ignorance of it. You know, I've seen, you go and watch any sport, you get an off night. 
Yeah, yeah. Listen, exactly. He did Frank, have a huge off night. Frank, where do you think Ngannou sits now in the heavyweight division? Do you think that he can compete with the top top heavyweights out there right now on that performance? And Eddie Hearn, by the way, I want to get you, your take oh. on this, Frank, is saying that he now wants Ngannou against AJ. <laughs> that, well, listen, I don't want to go into the vagina monologue. The thing about this, with you know, the thing about um, the, the thing about this, this situation with with um, with Tyson is uh, sorry with Nagano where he stands in it. For me, Nagano in it, Nagano, he would give anyone a tough fight yeah. based mm. off that. I'm not saying he's going to win the world heavyweight championship, but he's a tough sod, and there's a few out there that I think he would he could. Pro- possibly beat but mm. he is a tough guy and he and, and on that performance you've got to give him a rating in the top 10 mm. i mean how would you see you know some of the other guys in the top 10 you know how would he go with like a a, a dillian white or somebody i wouldn't mind him about? fighting arslan beck makmudov i tell you that that would be well, a, yeah, yeah but well, any of those guys yeah. he'd do it because he's a competitor you yeah. know you know you've got dubois zhang you know joseph parker i mean it'd be interesting to see where he actually well, fits exactly. in that heavyweight wilds or aj all of them frankly yeah, it, it, Exactly, but but you know the, the the big fights on there. That's the main thing. Now we've got we got to it, and and there was, and this this was the was the uh, key to the door to get the fight on. So this fight's happened, and now we've got the big fight. You know that something we have worked very hard to do. And contrary to what everybody says, this fight between Usyk and by the way, I think defended last August against uh, Joshua. This fight against him and Tyson is probably one of the quickest or fastest unification fights to ever take place. Yeah, you you, Let, you, you have um, spoken about that and yeah. uh, putting the veracity of how long it takes for some of these to, to take yeah. place for the undisputed years, heavyweight title fight. Five years. Yeah, yeah. Or not one for 24 years. Frank, what, can you just outline for us and, and clarify uh, the December 23 date if it's not happening, when is the likely date in your view at this time? The date will be early next year and we'll be announcing it fairly soon. Mm. Yeah, Frank, listen, I want to speak about a fight that was on the undercard as well, Fabio Wardley versus David Adelaide. Great contest that was. I mean, Adelaide may... Adelaide may have gone in there starting as a favourite, but Fabio Wardley showed his experience. He stayed nice and calm and composed, and he seized the opportunity and won in, in a brilliant cracking contest um, on the undercard. I, I suppose the question is, you know, where does Wardley go next? Where does Adelaide go next? Well, that's, that's that, you know, your reading of that is spot on, Spence. You know, earlier early on in the fight, at the, uh, David caught him with a few shots, and he caught him with a really good shot in the first round. And it was it, it was pretty, you know, nip and tuck between the two of them for a few rounds. And then he pulled away because David just couldn't change his game plan. He didn't use his jab. And I'm not saying any way, anything away from Fabio. He's a lovely bloke. He's a really nice guy, as David is. And I thought, you know, and, he, and it was a good win. And he he he, he absolutely, did, you know, at the end of the day, he was the better fighter on the night. He mm. now is in a position where he'll get into a big fight, and I'm sure they'll be working on that. And as as for David, David will uh, he's got he's got to get back to the drawing board and show what he's all about. Because mm. good fighters have to overcome adversity and come back and learn from what they're doing. If he if he does that, he'll be okay. If he doesn't, then he'd be one of those guys that we look back in years and saying, you know, we thought he was going to do better. David Hay done it against Cole Thompson, didn't he? That, that was that Correct. was yeah. Correct. 
Um, and it was great being around Moses Atalma as well this week, and he really does oh. look like an amazing prospect, the teenage heavyweight. Frank, Talk Sport this week secured rights to your next event on the 18th of November. Denzel oh. Bentley against Nathan Heaney. Two popular guys. Heaney, of course, um, is one of those guys that we love being around. The energy of the man. I saw pictures of him. The ring walks. The ring, the ring walks. walks. The, um, Delilah. The... the, the, the <laughs> The, the pictures he always puts out of him delivering <laughs> mm. his tickets to all his fans. He's a superb man. Um, British middleweight title, great main event, great card, Nick Ball on it, Isaac Dogbo. Um, we're looking forward to that one, Frank. Well, we are. As we call it, the Magnificent Seven, seven title fights. And, you know, the, uh, you know, we're, we're both with uh, Hanging and Denzel. Both of them are lovely fellas. I mean, you know, really consummate professionals, and the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable for that mm. fight. Nick Ball stepping up in a final eliminator for the world title. It's a tough fight against Dogbo, who's a former world champion. Nick's done everything that's been asked him. He's, 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 he's done, I mean, he's an excellent prospect, and this is going to be the real acid test for him. Now, I'm looking forward to it. All competitive fights, very competitive fights on the card. Well, we mentioned uh, David Adelaide in our chat. He fought, of course, on the Saudi Arabian Riyadh season undercard, the Battle of the Baddest, um, against Fabio Wardley. He didn't come out on top, but it was fascinating to speak to David in the studio who joined Spencer and myself to talk about how he was feeling a week on. Get this, it's fascinating. I think he's woken Big David up, and the referee says enough is enough. That'll do. Thank you very much. Everyone kept asking if my personality is going to change. How and no. I'm still me. Again on the front foot in the closing stages of this round. Another big attack. There's always love when people see me out on the streets. I think it's just the people up in Ipswich. I don't like me, but I'm all right with it. I ain't got to ever go to Ipswich. Big team, David Welcome back to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Gareth Davis Spencer, the Omen Oliver, in the studio with me. But also, of course, with us tonight, Big D, David Adelaide, fresh from his Arabian night uh, a week ago. It wasn't the night you wanted, David. No, it wasn't. Um, it was a, an in gripping, enthralling contest that really took the breath away from the crowd. You said yourself going into it, it wouldn't go the distance, but it didn't go your way. How are you feeling a week on? I'm good. You know, um, I got my health intact. You know, um, that's the main thing. Um, and yeah, you know, um, of course, you know, my ego's dented and whatnot, but uh, mm. other than that, I'm all good. I'm all good. Listen, it's one of those fights, wasn't it? It's like, um, it's that fight. It's like a crossroads fight for both of you guys. You've got to respect both of you guys going in there, putting it on the line, both un unbeaten. You know, yeah. it was a fight that was building and simmering nicely. Yeah. You know, it was one of those ones. I picked you to I picked you to win the fight, actually, yeah. before the fight, going in. I said, look, Sorry, you know, Spence. I, only because I know you from the amateur days, yeah, yeah, youth yeah. and everything else. So yeah. I've watched you develop as a fighter. Exactly, and yeah. I'm going, you know what? I think that David Adelaide, this is his sort of coming of age fight. We'd seen it with Fabio Wardley already. Mm -hmm. against Nathan Gorman and we saw that actually you know when he got tagged in the second round he knew how to turn the screw he turned it around knocked him out in the third round he goes so he's sort of like proven at that level yeah. and I just go looking at the fight I 
I said, this is the way the fight was won and lost for me. Yeah. I was watching it, and the fight was going one way and the other, and you think, who's going to get a grip of this? Who's going to stamp their authority? And I think it was actually the experience of Fabio at that stage that sort of won him the fight going into that, and it's sort of like, you know, he knew when to seize his moment. He's probably a better way of saying it. And I think that fighters, I compared this to when David Haid lost to Cole Thompson. I go, sometimes that can be the making of a fighter. Yeah. You know, when they go back to the drawing board and work on what, you know, what went wrong, and it... If anything, it's um, it's a coming of age. It develops you. It moulds you as a fighter. And sometimes a loss is better than a win. Yeah, you know, um, that situation obviously for me was a bitter pill to swallow. Mm. You know, um, I went in there knowing I was going to win the fight, like confident, believing in my ability. Um, went in there with a certain game plan, um, and then yeah, I think when it really started to turn was when I got like the thumb of my eye. Mm. Credit to Wardley though. You know, you've got to give credit where it's true. The man did what he had to do. Um, but yeah, I think that's when the game plan just started to kind of go downhill. And uh, Dude, Was you starting to feel it around the sixth sort of round? Because that's where I see the first time I looked at you and I thought his mouth's come open a little bit here. And I think the pace and, and whatnot seemed to be getting to you. And it just seemed to be like he started then. I don't know if he sensed that or what, but for me, that was the turning point. And in that sixth round, I thought, I can see him starting to tire a little bit here. No, honestly, it was... Um, I got a thumb. Let me actually... You don't want to look. So I don't know if you can actually yeah, see. Yeah, I can see. Yes, yeah, red. I can yeah. still see half a glove in your so, eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When I got the thumb in my eye, you know, things started to kind of go downhill from mm. there. You know, um, yeah, it's a different sort of pain. I mean, I, I read through it. You know I me. Mean? I'm a fighting man. I'm like I said. I always got on my shield. Um, you know, some fighters quit. Some fighters don't. You mm. know, I'm one of the fighters that's not going to quit. Um, yeah, my eye was just going through some sort of pain and. I couldn't see him for that three, four rounds. You know, mm. um, I kind of got to a stage where I was basically reacting to him rather than starting to... Because, you know, in the beginning of the fight, about 20 seconds in, I found my distance. You know, I'm caught him with a shot. And then after that, I started to lose my distance. You know, I couldn't see him. Um, he's hitting me with a shot. I said, he's over there. Or like, there's times when he would hit me with a hook. So I thought he was on my left. So I'd throw something back with my left. Uh, He'd be over. I mean, he'd be over here, but he was shot. I think he's over there. Jesus he, blood. So blood. Just, I just couldn't see a thing. You know, the time I was walking back to my corner, you know, my coach Frank Guise was just trying to like rub my eye. And, um, but yeah, you know, obviously when you're worrying about your eye as well as the boxing, you start to panic's not the right word to use, but you start to overthink things, and then mm. you obviously get more tired than you usually would. Let me go back to that point that Spencer made just now and you mentioned about your ego being dented. I mean, when I heard you coming on this week, I was delighted to hear that because <laughs> fronting up afterwards is a, is, is a difficult thing because mm. like you said, the, the, the ego is dented. What have you been through in the last week? Have you watched the fight over again? Are you going through things psychologically? Um, do you draw family around you? I saw you very soon afterwards, and and like you said, you. I'm sorry, I lost you. You must never apologise for yeah. those things because you are the man putting yourself in on the line. You are the man in the arena. Yeah. You are the man uh, making it happen. I think there was always a lot of respect between you and he going into it. You, you both sold the fight well as well. Yeah, of course, that's what it was about. It, no, it fight. was at the time, and it was a massive precursor to Fury <laughs> and Nagano that we'll ask your views about in a minute. Yeah. Um, and I know you hadn't underestimated him, but I'm fascinated on how you rebuild yourself in that week. What do you go through in a week after that? Because you haven't experienced anything. I like haven't. This I before. haven't. First time experiencing something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I said, I'd lost to the amateurs before, but 
you get to avenge that mm. loss. Mm. You know, I was in a situation where in my career, amateur pro, I've never even had a standing count before. Mm. I've never even had a referee give me a standing count. And then I've gone from obviously being dropped and then the referee calling off the fight, it was a lot, you know. It was you were definitely you know, wanting one more hell. I wanted one more. You know, you, I was, listen, I'm going I'm to go out on my shield. Regardless, you know, I've said it, my, my heart's never failed me. So, But um, is, there, is, there a, is there a sense as well, and you won't know this as a young man, but we've seen it so many times. We're older men, Spence's yeah. obviously been in the ring himself, that sometimes, look what happened to Lee Wood last, uh, this year, mm -hmm. where his trainer pulled him out in the seventh round when he was hurt against Mauricio Lara, and he came back and he completely outboxed him. And look what he did in his last fight against Josh Warrington, that of course you are a warrior. Of you, you, you do it for yourself and, and our entertainment man. in the sports. But... In a sense, I'm sure you've sat there and said, I can't wait to get back in with that guy as well. Man, I'm counting on the days. Even <laughs> if it comes, whenever it comes, I'm counting on that, the days. David, but you know what? That makes or breaks a fighter. And it if does. it makes a fighter, it, it brings them back. You build you and makes you stronger. This because is what your it's point a learning, was just now. It's a learning curve. This is all about the development, right? Exactly. And when sometimes when you're going into a fight of that magnitude like that, and like I say, there was a lot of build-up to that fight. And, you know, it was it was gaining the headlines, etc. And people were fascinated to see what it was all about. Yeah. And you come away from it and you go, you know what? You've got to feed from that and you yeah. go, right, I'm going to go back there and that's going to make me hungrier, that's going to make me stronger. And that will develop you and turn you into a better fighter because of them experience that you've been in. Like when you get into that seventh round and you've got to bite down on your gum shield like you had to there and you've got to dig down and find something from somewhere a normal human being can't find that because it's a dark place. But when you've been there once before, trust me on this, speaking as an expert and I know this, once you've been there... It's a difference the second time around. You know how to deal with that. And do you know what I'm saying? Because you've got that mentality where, and I know that you've got that mentality where you go, quit doesn't, that's not a word that exists in your vocabulary. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that doesn't exist. Doesn't so exist. what I'm saying is that now doesn't. you're gaining what you call experience and you can't buy that. You can't. And you can't buy that, but that can develop, that can turn you into a much better, stronger fighter. Experience and wisdom, things you can't buy. You know, um, and you asked me, Gareth, how has the last week been? Honestly, it's been fine. Mm. You know, obviously, you get the hate comments, you get the people pointing the fingers, and you get the people doing all of that. But listen, you know what you sign up for. It's the game. It's the game. You feed off you that. Exactly. Dave, you feed off that. Do you know you what know, I mean? Um, Let them say that. Let before them say the fight, that. I had 15 people in my change room. You know, and after the fight, I had 15 people in my change room. There you go. You know, there um, you go. the love never changes. You know what? To be fair, it, it showed me on the weekend that there's a lot of people that actually do have love for me. You know, I'm... Um, a lot of people upset, you know, crying yeah. for me and, you know, shedding tears, you know. Um, and it was kind of like, harm, you know, it was, it was heartwarming, you know. It was like, nah, man, head up, mm. you know, um, I go again. You know, I'm a fighting man. Um, sometimes things don't go your way, but, you know, we move forward. I don't need to look at numbers to see how high I'm jumping. I know I'm pushing myself when I jump high. I know what it's like when I'm hitting the bags. I know what it's like when I'm sparring and I'm getting in there. I think he's woken Big David up. And the referee says, enough is enough. Do. Thank you very much. I know what my heart's telling me. I ain't got to look on a on a computer to tell me what my heart's telling me. Big team, David Adelaide. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Gareth and David Spencer Oliver, in the studio with me till midnight. We got Big D, David Adelaide, in with us, fresh from. It wasn't victory. It was a defeat in Saudi Arabia at the beginning of the Riyadh season last week when he was fighting for the British and Commonwealth heavyweight title. He will come again, I'm sure of that. We're having a cathartic session with David here tonight, and even off-air, we're talking about it's brilliant that 
there's a transparency about how he's feeling now. And if you're listening, boxers and fighters go through amazing things, depressing things at times when they've lost. And David is here and he's showing who he is. And, and mm -hmm. we love you for that, David. We I really do. That. I we really that. do. Mm. Now, let me ask you about your experiences last week. Uh, the, the fight with uh, Fabio Wardley aside, um, the week itself... And obviously, I was out there with you, seeing your, all the set pieces was extraordinary. But you were at the gala dinner as well, weren't you? On yeah. the night when all the legends were there that Spencer mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about yeah. your experience of that. Yeah, that was humbling. You know, um, I was sitting in a room with a lot of legends. You know, um, from yeah. different walks of life. You know, when you're on a my boxer, table. You're actually a fan, aren't you? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm the same thing. I'm looking at you, going, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm actually jealous. I'm like, not there. Literally, Do you know, you know what I mean? Um, you know, on my actual table. You know, I was sitting alongside, obviously, my, my agent, um, my commercial agent. I've got Amir Khan to my left. I've got um, Eminem sitting across me. Hello? Yeah. I mean, when they were telling me, I was, I'm was, i like, what? They're like, yeah, Eminem's on your table. And um, we've done a seating arrangement where you two are sitting right across each other. <laughs> what? Chats with Eminem so, the um, night before the fight? Then? Eminem, I'm paying, you know, um, there's a boxing game that's coming out. You know, it was brought to us, you know, like a PSP. I'm paying it with him, you know, um... <laughs> Yeah, it was humbling. You know, he's given me words of encouragement the day before the fight. Insane. Can you imagine what it's like? You know, Insane. Um, there's musicians there that are big, that I, that I like listening to, that are giving words of encouragement. You know, um, I spoke to Ronaldo R9, and uh, after the photo, he's like, good luck tomorrow. Come on, Dave. I went to my agent, did on, I Dave. just hear him? <laughs> good luck tomorrow. I'm like, what, you know what I'm fighting tomorrow? They're like, yeah, I'm like, there's no way. You know, um, it was humbling, you know, it's it an experience I took in. Mm. Um... I loved it. You know, you go to bed with a different sort of well, It's what you dream mindset. of. As a young kid, that's what you dream of. Exactly. And it's, that's, what, that's what it's all about. When you, when you start up a pair of gloves for the first time, your dream is obviously dream to become it. world champion. Literally. But to mix in that sort of company. Exactly. You know, um, even when I was talking to other legends, that everyone's basically just saying, this is something different. You know, um, it was a whole different experience. I'm having, I'm just ha like you know, having jokes with Lennox Lewis. I'm talking to Mike Tyson, Frank Bruno's having funny comments. You know, Larry Holmes, um, Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, you name a legend, Sugar Ray Leonard. They were all good there. luck. You They're know, um, it's it really is humbling. It's more of a, mm. it's a thing where you want all your family to be there. Like, man, mm. I wish I was experiencing this with my family. You know, um, yeah. It was and overwhelming, wasn't it? Was, it was, it really it was, was. actually, because I, I said to Spencer, I was interviewing Lennox Lewis outside before he came in. I said, please don't, he was going to go in through a side door. Please yeah. don't go in through the side door. Because as you walked into the room, there was a, there, there was a, there was an unusual mm. feeling that embraced you. It was like a wave. It was mm -hmm. like a cloud that enveloped you, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was, it was. And um, I remember I got there a bit early. I got there before everyone else. And um. If you know me, you know I'm never nowhere early. So uh, <laughs> when I got in there early, they were taking pictures of me and I walked in and I st everyone started to basically tell me, the people that were coming in. And then I just started to see people bit by bit coming in. I said, whoa, you know, this feels surreal. Um, but it was an experience I took in, you know, and I, I embraced it. We all walked from the arena where you'd fought, the outside arena where you'd fought with Fabio Wardley into the main uh, um, the main stadium, the Kingdom Stadium, 30,000 people. They'd built it in 60 days. Yeah, yeah they built the stadium. 30,000 people. We had the light show, the entertainers for the opening of the Riyadh season. What did you make? What's your assessment of what we saw when Tyson Fury fought Francis Ngarni? Who did you have winning? How did you read it all? Yeah, you know, it wasn't the greatest performance from Tyson. Um, 
it's funny you say that because I saw a video of Tyson's warm up and they kind of had the same sort of warm up I did, which wasn't really, it wasn't good. It looked a bit rushed, you know. And maybe that had an effect on his performance. Um, Ngannou did better than a lot of people thought. You got to give Ngannou the credit. He's a big man as well, you know. Um, with a he, great story. With a great, great story. Ivan Drago, you've mentioned, haven't you? Um, Rocky Balboa. Do, do you know, a genuine a Rocky story. Balboa you know story. Exactly. Babe, you'll understand this as a fighter, that if if, the, if you haven't got that fear factor in you, you will underperform. You have to have that fear you factor to. to turn it, that, that nervous energy into a positive. Positive, champions exactly. feed off that. And I think that's what was lacking in Tyson's performance. Yeah. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't have the fear factor because he didn't know. You no, know, Tyson's been in there with the biggest punches in the, in the sport, you know, so he's, He's looking at it from a different sort of perspective. Um, but the thing is, I think if there was a rematch now, Tyson would turn it up. I agree. Completely. I agree. You'll, be, you'll see a different Tyson. But you know what? Tyson did take it good because I saw him the next day. Um, we was both in a shopping centre in Riyadh the next day and uh, Tyson was like, bloody hell, Dave, you both had tough nights last night, didn't we? You know? Did you think he won or lost, by the way? Um, I think he won by a run. I mean, if, if I reckon if Ngarni got another knockdown, it could have been detrimental. Do do you do you if you're looking at the heavyweight division right now and based on that performance, where would you rank Naganu in the the heavyweight division? See now, this is the thing. Is it because Naganu's that good, or is it because Tyson performed that bad? You know, um, but he switched I, Southpaw with Tyson. No, Fury. he did. He, he good did. In Southpaw. He did. He he, he took his opportunities. He I'd rank him, him with the left. Where would honestly, I would rank him. In, I mean, you need to they, see him with someone again. That's the thing. It's hard. They're looking to rank him in the top fifteen, aren't they? They're, I mean, I don't think. It, I don't know if he'll be in top fifteen. You know, um, mm. how I does mean, he fare against a Deontay Wilder, a, a Tyson, a, 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 um, a, an Anthony Joshua, a, an Arslan Beck Makhmudov? How does he fare? I don't think he really. I don't think he does as good as people would expect him to. You know, well, so Tyson's Tyson's his performance point. was that bad then. That that's on the night. Yeah, I just think Tyson styles couldn't find his range. Well. Styles, styles exactly. Yeah, couldn't yeah. find his range. You know, he wasn't really landing properly. You know, there's times when he would throw a shot and kind of like, you know, um, lose his balance. But um, you've done two hundred rounds of Tyson Fury, so yeah, you so know I've what seen he's Tyson. like. You know, I know what he's like. like yeah. You know, and um, listen. How would you approach Francis Ngannou? Like, if you was fighting Francis. So I'm saying it's realistic, it could happen, but of I'm course, saying if, yeah. if you did, how would you approach that fight? How would you become victorious through, through what you've seen there? When you look at Ngorni Box Tyson, you actually see he does have some MMA propensities where he does certain things as an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So I could play with my distance, I can set certain tricks up with my hands, make him follow my hands and start to you know, tee off on him from there. Um, he's a big puncher. He's a man that likes to rely on power, you can see that. Um and, did and Fury didn't put much of a dent in him. His legs, his legs sagged a couple mm-hmm. of times from Fury shots. Yeah. But I mean, was it frustration when he hit him with it with the forearm? Was it deliberate? Was, was it, that deliberate? Was I that think just punching a, down? I think it was, was following punch, through. Yeah, was exactly. I, don't think he did I thought it was a punch. There was a lot made of that. There was a lot made of that. But it was a punch coming down, wasn't it? He was in. He was in close, and he was trying to punch short. And that's what you do. Your elbows come round with that. You know, if I was to boxing and gone, you, I think I'd, I'd box him for a few rounds. You know, um. I kind of wait for his concentration to kind of lapse and, you know, take advantage from there. Just start sitting down on my shots a lot more. You know, he likes to walk, walk forward a lot. So I'd rather him walk forward. I can catch him with a lot of shots. And um, like I said, when the rounds go on and he starts to tire a bit and his concentration lapses, I'll start to sit down. I'll start moving my feet a lot less, sitting down on my punches and doing certain tricks that MMA fighters wouldn't be used to. There we go. Here's the talk back now. It's been brilliant to have you in the studio tonight. What 
is your plan now for the next few months? Do you rest up a bit? Do you have a no? I want to go back out. No, 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 I'm back in the gym already. No, um. Back yeah, in Monday the gym, morning Steve. you were back in the gym. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Just, um, just before you go as well, David, all those great fighters that you mentioned that you was chatting to and everything else, all, all those losses. great fighters, they all took losses and they went yeah, on to become that fighter. Yeah. You know, when you, you talk about Roberto Duran losing to Kirkland Lang over in England and going exactly. on and winning four, four world titles at different weights, etc., exactly etc. That. That's part of the development. You can just, have a make just you. take that on board. No, 100%. It can have a make you or break you. And I'm a man that kind of... Listen, like I say, I'm humbling victory, I'm humbling defeat. I might come across a certain way, but I'm a, I'm a wise man. You've come you across know, great I'm, tonight, mate. No, thank you. Like well I done. say, I give credit to Wardley as well. You know, I have to give the man credit because he did do what he had to do. And um, But for me, obviously, I want to rematch, but I understand how the sport works. There's other, there's other things he has to do and there's other avenues he has to go down. But God willing, our careers meet again. But um, as for me, I'm going to box at a certain level now. You know, I know... I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't out my depth, you know. Um, I think the first four rounds when I when I had my vision, I was all right, you know. Obviously, from the fourth round onwards, I couldn't really see anything. But um, yeah, I just want to box at a certain level now, you know. Um, prove myself again, because of course I understand that the shine on me's gone a bit. You know, the lights dimmed a little bit, so you got to go back out there and make sure that light shines bright again. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Joining us next was another one of Frank Warren's fighters, Nathan Heaney, who's, by the way, his fight with Denzel Bentley is live on TalkSport from the Manchester Arena on Saturday the 18th. We'll all be there, the team. Um, Nathan joined us to talk about his postal delivery of all the tickets for the fans that love him and how he's come on and for his passion for boxing. to fight night on TalkSport and there's a reason for Delilah the one and only Nathan Heaney walks into that Nathan are you with us? 
I certainly am, Gareth. How are you, mate? You okay? Very good. I needed an extra 10-second pause to take in Delilah. They tried to ban it. They'll never ban it. You'll always walk into Delilah, won't you? Always, mate. And obviously, obviously I get to walk out to it in the biggest fight of my career in two weeks' time today. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. There's, there's no better song to walk out to than having one and a half thousand Stokies singing Delilah whilst I'm singing it as well. Yeah, the opponent you mentioned, of course, is Denzel Bentley. I loved the pictures of you this week. I mean, it's the Magnificent Seven event. It's live on TalkSport, of course. I will repeat that several times in the next 15 minutes, in the next few weeks. Um, you were delivering tickets to your many thousands of fans. You're almost like a postman in Stoke, aren't you? Yeah, yeah well, actually... Fortunately, today, I, I posted my last one. Hey! My last hand-delivered ticket was done today. So, yeah, I just, I did, I basically just split the postcodes up because the, you don't realise how big the city is. And it, but as soon as you start doing certain postcodes and how far you have to go for each one, yeah, it's it's, it's been it's been full on this week. But train's gone well and the delivery's gone even better. So, yeah, now I can just relax and focus completely. On I've the got this now. image of you jogging around uh, with this this sat nav on your phone, taking you to the different posters. Tell me you run it. Tell me that you run that you don't drive. I, I certainly don't run. Okay, that, that would be that would absolutely. I think it's about three hundred and fifty miles I've run. <laughs> so that'd be uh, that'd be some miles I'll be running. Uh, but yeah, but, but no, it's, but I do have a little app that I use, and it gives me the best routes and stuff, which which certainly does help. But but yeah, I, I love it. I do. I just, I, I love just seeing what I what I think the best thing about it is. You just see certain houses that I'll go to every single fight. Like you'll deliver to a certain house, and you think I've delivered to this house for the last eight fights. You're doing the- a bespoke service. That's what I love about it. You're so invested. It's it's the nuts and bolts, but it's almost like a bespoke service for me. It's almost like you sign. Do you sign the tickets for people as well or not? Uh, what, what and if I do, you're not, you should be. No, what I do is I, I put a fire post. So wherever, wherever the event is, I have a fire poster printed in like a small postcard. Lovely. And then I sign the postcard. So I, I'll put a postcard in for each of you guys and then obviously put the tickets in and then send them all out. You're such a marketing genius, Spencer. Yeah, listen, Nathan, I mean, look, let's get into the fight. Denzel Bentley, um, yep. British super middleweight title. This is your moment. This is what you've been waiting for. This is what you've been building for. Do you know what I mean? This is your sort of like coming of age fight now. Um, how, how, how excited are you that you've got this opportunity and, you know, against Denzel? Yeah, very, very excited. We're, I speak to one of my very good friends, Vinny. Uh, a couple of weeks back, we just met up for a coffee, and he was speaking to me about it. And he just said, "Listen, mate, I was gonna, I was gonna call you up after he found out I was fighting for the British title." He said, "It's like, it's like, like a football player playing for the FA Cup final." He said, "It's just, it's just mm. massive, like in football terms, in boxing, that's what it is. Like the FA Cup final, like something every young footballer would dream of playing for. But then, as a as a fighter that has fought me all life." This is the FA Cup final. The British title is something every British fighter dreams of fighting for. And obviously, I've got the opportunity right now. Sure. And listen, Nathan, I know you've done it on the road. You know, you've been up and down the country, boxing everywhere. I've been actually and done fights, you know, in Stoke and Trent, where you have commentated on fights there. And the, 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 the backing that you've got there, the ticket sales are absolutely insane. They love the ring walks, the, you know, the Tom Jones coming out to the Tom Jones stuff, the, that massive ring walk. And you sort of delivered and developed as a fighter, actually. I mean, what sort of crowd are we expecting up in Manchester? You know, how many tickets have you? 
really sold. Because I know that you go into sort of like the thousands. I mean, what sort of backing are we taking up there? Yeah, it's over one and a half thousand at the moment in time. There you go. I've, I've still got tickets on sale now, but but now I don't personally deliver them now. It's literally just I put them in, in envelopes, first class recorded delivery and send them out. But but yeah, it's 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 what's going to be different. So last time I fought at the Manchester Arena, I took just a bit under that number previously when I fought Jack Flatley on the Joyce Parker undercard. But the difference was they were right up in the gods. So although they sounded phenomenal, it wasn't as intimidating as normally what what it usually is it like when we've been to Telford or Birmingham Arena. But this time they're all in the lower tier. So it's more, they're much closer to the ring. So it's, the, the atmosphere is going to be incredible from them. How important is that crowd going to be, you know, to you in this fight? Because you know what Denzel Bentley is all about. You know, you've seen him, you've seen him develop as a fighter, and you, you know, you've seen him, you know, losing to Felix Cash, coming back, rebuilding, and coming back a much better fighter. Actually, I mean, how important is that crowd going to be for you going into that fight? Because you know, you know what, you know what a tough fight is going to be. Yeah, it's see, I've, I've. I've had it from both ends of the spectrum. I've had him, I've I've boxed with thousands of people supporting me, and I've boxed in complete silence in mm-hmm. COVID behind closed doors. And I will say, I remember going out half for leather in the first round in COVID, and I almost felt like I was gassing because where normally you throw a shot and the crowd erupts, you get like this adrenaline from it. It gives you, it does, it does give you something actually you you wouldn't you wouldn't anticipate. And obviously in the last fight that I had with Jack Flatley, I went like a I went crazy as well in the first round, but my energy stayed through all the way through the fights. And I felt phenomenal to be honest. And and that was on the back of obviously me training and stuff and my preparation, but but also with the crowd as well, it does it does make a difference. Mm. Yeah, I mean we see we see Denzel putting in that great performance when he boxed for the WBO title, losing that losing that on points. He's since had a win since then. Now going into this contest, so you know he'll feel that he's been campaigning up at that level and that he'll have that experience going into the contest because he'll feel that you've not actually been there yet. Do you think that gives him an advantage, or do you think that will work against him? I I honestly don't know. It's it's one of them. Like when you box at such a higher level, you'll obviously perceive yourself to be much higher than what the British title possibly is. Mm. But but nah, I think at the end of the day, when 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 you're dealing with proper fighters, yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't really think you can. I don't know. I, I can't really answer that to be honest because. I don't know how his psychology works. In that, in that I, I, I'll put it a different way. So do you see this fight? I mean, where do you see your level going to? You know, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? Do you think British title level is where you want to be? Do you want to go European? You you feel like you can achieve world honours? I mean, do you see this as a stepping stone sort of fight? You know, because if you're dreaming about going, though, though you have to come through these sort of fights, don't you? Yeah. I've, one thing I've always thought to myself is, I've always believed I could become a British champion. And I always think to yourself, if you can become a British champion... You're probably one of the best fighters around that European area, anyway. Especially if you're like someone mm. Denzel Bentley, or beating someone like Denzel. So yeah, but for me, you you just got to win the British title first, and everything else is a bonus after that. But I'm not limiting myself to that. Yeah, I'm just. But that's what I'm focusing on. But I, I do believe that how many British champions have gone on to do great things. Sure. And but but many great fighters have also maybe not won the British title either. So it's it's yeah, we just I just got to see what happens. But I, I'm I'm. Totally focused on the fights. And what, what I like about you, Nathan, is that you are 
Um, you are a Rocky Balboa story for me in in many many ways, and your testament to what you can achieve, what not what you can't achieve. And I think Spencer is a great advocate of that as well. And um, what I want to ask you is, what do you what do you put it down to in the end? We know that you're perspicacious and meticulous in, like I say, delivering your tickets to fans, um, doing the things you do, never leaving a stone unturned. What What is the core thing that's driven you to this moment, to get to this moment against Denzel Bentley? I, I just think pure passion for the sport that I do. I was speaking to my mate today and I, and I said, because we're at the Stoke game, and I just said, the thing for me, what will be hard is, when I do finish boxing, what will my next passion be? Because this is something I've done. I've been competing for 23 years. Like I've literally been a servant to the sports of amateur boxing. And then for the last six years, professional boxing, it's all I've ever known. And it's just, and I think when you said what drives you towards it, what keeps me doing what I'm doing, it's just the pure passion of, of the love of the sport that I do. And, and, I'm, and I'm okay at it as well. But obviously this is for me to prove mm. what, what I can become if I can become anything. And like you said about the Rocky Balboa thing, I, 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 I do agree with you in the sense of that film is pure genius. Yeah. It's how someone can go from nothing mm. to them something. Well, the guests in the studio were thick and fast this week. We had two cousins, Paddy Donovan, uh, the professional from Limerick who fights out of Dublin, 11-0 with eight knockouts, joined us in the studio with his cousin, Jim Donovan, a very, very promising young amateur boxer. We talked about the traveller race and its love of boxing. It's deep, intriguing. Don't miss this. Big thanks to Shane McGuigan for inviting us over for some sparring. Um, Adam was a fantastic fighter, really, really fast, very athletic, um, very quick hands, you know. It's hard to match him, but I've been doing really well in sparring. I'm very happy to get the rounds in. It's beneficial for the two of us. He's a big fight coming up for the European title, and I fight for the WBA continental title, so... Um, That's on the undercard of Chantel Cameron and Katie, and Katie Taylor in Dublin on 25th of November, isn't it? Correct, yeah. yeah but, I mean, obviously, you're from Dublin, so... Um, well, I'm from Limerick. But you're I'm from living, Limerick, yeah, sorry, living, but you're based in yeah, Dublin, Dublin, working in, in uh, training in Dublin. You're from Limerick with that beautiful <laughs> accent, but you're from the traveller race as well, aren't you? The yeah. traveller culture. What did you make of Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou last weekend, first of all? First of all, a uh, very poor performance from Tyson. Um, he underperformed, obviously. Uh, people expected him to get the stoppage or annihilate Francis Ngannou, but it didn't go that unfortunately for him. But yeah, I still thought Tyson won the fight. The result, I had it 7-3, obviously, the knockdown, so 6-4 to Tyson. Yeah, I think I, Tyson had 6-4. Um, I know the, the copy box numbers has Tyson winning mm. the fight, but just by a couple of points. But yeah, look, it was a win-win for... Francis Ngannou with his performance for Tyson, he he underperformed well, well under under schedule the way his performance was. I seen a recent interview with um his brother Shane Fury, where he said Big Tyson, Shane. yeah, where he said Tyson isn't a great champion. Um, we obviously seen that against Vladimir Klitschko when he won the world title, and after that he had a very bad period. So Tyson is that kind of a fighter that, with opponents that he expected to beat. He doesn't really perform, and when you want him to, uh, when he's fighting someone that 
um, people think he mightn't beat or is going to struggle with. He seems to up the gear. So I think against Yusek, he's going to up yeah. the tempo and be that, really that good Spence that night. Spence has made that point at several times tonight and Frank Warren agreed. Let me, let's me let just talk about your career for a moment because time will fly. Um, tell us about you. You're 11-0 with eight knockouts. Um where are your aspirations? Where, where are you at? I mean, obviously, you're a, you're a fantastic boxer. It's all about moving up the levels where you are, are at right now. So tell us where you are in terms of the, the, the world rankings, the, the, the European rankings. The, where, where do you feel you are? Well, I've got the biggest fight of my career coming up for the WBA uh, Continental title against um, Danny Ball from the UK. So the winner of this fight moves to top 10 in the world with the WBA sanction. So yeah, that's that's where I am right now. And probably in Ireland, I'm the best fighter right now in the country. Uh, Katie's obviously getting old. She's moving on. We we obviously need some big names to fill in back in Ireland. And Eddie has signed a big contract back in Ireland with some professional fighters, including myself. So when Katie moves out, the plan is for me to step in, um, win this title, defend it a few times, and maybe next year fight for a world title. I actually saw you boxing as as a professional. I've seen you develop as a professional as well, Paddy. And you're and you're moving in the right direction. You're improving all the time. I mean, where do you think your main strengths are? Because you got quick hands. You got a great boxing IQ, which is really important now. Danny Ball, who you are boxing, his only loss has come to Echo Esserman, who's mm. a good fighter himself. So this is a big step up for you here. So it's sort of like you know, coming of age fight for you here to see exactly where you are and what levels you're sort of at. Where do you see yourself going? Like, like I say, like I know you're a stylist boxer and you've got a great thinking brain. I mean, how do you see yourself? Spence, I've added so much to my game since the last performance um, against Samuel Mason. Um, inspiring right now, I'm looking unbelievable. And that's the God and his truth. I'm inspiring absolutely brilliant. I'm either stopping or knocking everyone mm. that I'm sparring for this camp. So I'm in great, great shape. I've learned a lot. I've been training with Andy, picking up new things, working on things that I'm not normally as good at that I need to practice on. Like what? Like um, what? First of all, I like to box on the outside, mm. hit and not get mm. hit. Mm. Mm. It's science of boxing. But we that can go badly with the judges. Yeah. As so, now, in so now boxing. I'm working in the inside a lot more, yeah. working in... Um, you know, being relaxed in very unrelaxable areas. It's of about the game. It's, it's about sitting in the pocket when the timing's right, and that's what you pick up when you've got that amateur experience and you're a good amateur like you was, and you're moving around like you say, and you don't sit in the pocket. You're moving around on the outside and doing it, but you want to be a little bit more fan friendly. You go every now and then as you're moving around, you stand there, you you sit on your opponent, you feel it, and you feel your opponent like you gradually break them down, and you know when the timing's right. So when you sit there and you're working, you think now you still feel strong. You move again. Mm. And you slowly chip away and break them down. I used to do that a lot of self. And then you you're hurting there. the microphone right now as well. <laughs> know, speed, but when, by you, the way. When, when you get in there and the moment comes, right? This is my experiences of doing boxing like that on the outside. You get in there and you let that shot go, and you hear a little, mm. and then you know then you, you there's, there's something that tells away, yeah. you a bit of that body. And that's where I'm seeing you going. Like I see a lot of myself in you, like a lot of you in me, like that sort of style where I'm going. Yeah, if you just start sitting down a little bit more, that becomes more fan friendly because you got a great. Style. It's, a, it's a great style to watch. Thank you very much, Spence. So yeah, exactly. And the boxing is good. The shot selections is, is is very good. But trying to set up the knockout, that's what I've been working on more. You know, Irish is kind of known from from good southpaws, good mm. good knockout yeah. artists, including Andy Lee, who I'm trained with. So I know I'm a very extremely big puncher. Twelve rounds will suit you because yeah. that's your so sort that, of style. Yeah, you know, so to I, wear them down. I've been sparring the first time now 10 rounds with Adam Azim and in the spars I'm just getting better and better as the sparring going on I'm setting up the shots more and I can see my opponents gradually getting tired where my shots mm. now are starting to kind of 
get put together a bit more and, and starting an exa- to get more knockouts. It's a, there's a lot of exciting names in the division to have fights with as well. I mean, you know, we, we can talk to him later. Florian Marku is is a kind of a terrier at welterweight. Connor Ben's on the way back at the very top of the tree. The great Terence Crawford, he might go up to one five four. Some people say he might fight Canelo at, at one sixty eight. Who knows? There's a lot to aim at there, isn't there? Echo Esserman. Yeah, there's as a, well. it's there's, an attractive there's a, there's division. A, there, it is. I'm David Avenician. There's a lot of guys mm. around in our milieu, in our environment, yeah. to test yourself against. Yeah, the welterweight division all over the world, it's very, very competitive. Yeah. Um, Florentino Marco being one from here in the UK, mm, I'd love yeah. to fight him. If I got the win in this fight, I'd fight him no problem next. Not a problem. I think his style would suit me. Um, Connor Ben. Another great fighter. We've been in touch over the last couple of weeks. We met back in the Katie mm. Taylor on the card. Very nice guy. Um, so I wouldn't mind sharing the ring with any single one of them fighters, to be honest. I believe where I am right now and what I'm learning with Andy Lee, you name the opponent and I can fight him. Talk to us so. about that with the Andy Lee training, you know, that, that relationship. Tell us about it because he was a great fighter who learned his trade over there in the Cronk with a great Emmanuel Stewart. So he's got such great First traveller to win a world title he was, Absol- actually, absolutely. before Tyson, yeah, before absolutely. Billy Joe, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. tell us about that, like how good that is working with Andy, what he works and what's different about him to other I trainers. I love him. I absolutely love him. Please tell us about what yeah. it's like inside. <laughs> now, he's an amazing, yeah. he's an ama- He's the calmest man I've ever seen around boxing. So astute. Yeah. yeah, I get that a lot. You know, everywhere I go, I get asked about Andy and people want to see the inside. Where You all get to see him on the outside mm. with his working with the boxing but I get to see him inside the camp he doesn't say a lot around. does he he's a no, quiet he keeps, man he keeps himself to himself but he does everything he does seems to be so knowledgeable he does it all whatever he says he says it at the right time and whatever he tells us do he just knows exactly because he's been there and he's done that he's been the first traveller ever to win a world title he's from Limerick City and I couldn't ask for any better in my corner alongside my dad Andy Lee so I'm delighted to be a part of his team it's a kind of silly question and I've obviously Spencer and I have known many travellers in our time around boxing and it's a brilliant community it's the national sport yeah. of the traveller boxing isn't Definitely. it Definitely. let me ask a silly question how did it all begin for you well first of all I've, I'm from a family of 10 kids. My dad, 16 kids on his side, and my mom, 16 kids on their side. That's an army of That's boxers. an army. So my, <laughs> on my dad's side, I have 100 first cousins. Right. And 90% of them as boys. And I guarantee mm. you, every single one of them was in the boxing gym. Yeah. And a lot of them was in prison right now, but the ones that are not as in prison... No travellers ever... Like, every traveller's boxed at some point. Yeah, so they've all boxed, you know? So that's that's where I came from. My dad was a boxer. He opened a gym in Limerick, 2003. Was he Paddy Donovan as no, well? No, Martin Donovan. Martin. He opened a boxing gym in Limerick City in 2003. He took me and my brother away from our family in violence and trouble and got us in the gym since 2003. So we're forever grateful for that move that he's made. And he's buzzed on straight an hour. And now look where we are. Here the one point of the biggest... you're making is that, that our sport is, is a sport of discipline and respect. Mm. And and your dad saw that, yeah, because he didn't. He he loves you, yeah, and he wanted you to go the the right way. Yeah, you know, look seen, where you are now. He's look. seen he's seen in 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 our family, um, always into trouble, always into violence. He's seen all around Limerick City. He's known for it's it's a nickname for Stab City. Has mm. not a great reputation, but the kids there and the people there are wonderful. And my dad's seen to get us into an opportunity to become boxers, and that was the first thing he did. Get the Irish and American fans behind me and to follow my career moving forward and hopefully I, I can give them entertainment. Go on, Paddy. You see what it means to Paddy Donovan there. The crowd love it. 
He loves it. I'm absolutely loving it, you know? It's what I do. I try to look good, I try to perform good. I'm Gareth Davis. You're listening to Fight Night and Talksport. Spencer the Omen Oliver in with me until midnight. We're having a rollicking time talking fireworks and fight sports tonight. In the studio with us at the moment, Paddy Donovan, who fights in Dublin on November the 25th on the undercard of Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron in the rematch. Very important fight coming up for Paddy. We've got your cousin Jim, who's a brilliant young amateur, Jim Donovan, both of you from Limerick, based in Dublin, out here training at the moment uh, and, and uh, under Andy Lee, but also training in camp with Adam Azim. Tell us about your... We've heard about you a little. Tell us about your cousin Jim. Yeah, Jim is a very decorated amateur fighter. He's won 10 national titles, European gold medalist, European silver medalist, and at the last world cha- the Youth World Championship, he won a bronze medal. So he's been training under Andy for the last past four or five years, and soon he's going to be turning pro with Andy Lee. You mentioned that it's 100 cousins in your family yeah. right now. Obviously, this is one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. one of the really good ones. Jim, it's great to meet you, great to see you. Um, you've seen your cousin rise up. This is a great moment for him with that. WB Intercontinental, do you say? WBA Continental. WBA Intercontinental. When you see your cousin progressing, obviously you're a little younger. I don't know how old you are, but he's 11 and 0 as a pro. What do you see for yourself? Yeah, well, um, coming up along all the time, all all the years, I've been watching Paddy winning all the Irish titles and just following every year up along. He'd be, would say, under 18, I would have been by four. You wanted win every one of them up along, go to the European Championships before me. Paddy did. He medaled. I went. I medaled. He went to the World Championships, he medalled, I went and I medalled. So hopefully now when I turn pro, I can just progress like Paddy progressed, you know. How old are you, Jim? 19 years old. 19, so you're ready, so that sort of age, I, I turn pro yeah, 19, actually. I feel, I feel more than ready mm. now to put on pro. You must be having a great time in the Adam Azim camp as well, yeah. um, with both of you there and with your cousin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Camp with Adam Azim has been great. Paddy's done numerous rounds with him. I hopped in for a couple of rounds with Adam. Um, and... Great for Shane McGuigan to have his overall. So, are you under the wing of Andy Lee? As yeah, well? I've been training since Paddy actually. St- Andy started training Paddy. I've been there. Would say just <laughs> as a young fella, Paddy. Andy took a liking to me. He was a a right-handed southpaw. I was a right-handed southpaw. I remember him telling me when we fr- he first done the pads with me. I was a crank fighter. I couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. um, great right hook. He likes my right hook as well. There's so, a lot more uh, right-handed. Bruce southpaw. Lee was a converted southpaw, yeah. of course. Mm. There's a lot more right-handed southpaws around now. It's so many of them. The, yeah, but in, from the traveller community, I can't believe how many southpaws there are. Actually. Yeah. There's more southpaws. I yeah, think. thankfully the, I'm a southpaw left-handed, left-legged. So <laughs> exactly. no yeah. excuses. Do, do you know what, Paddy? I wanted to ask you a question about the traveller community, actually, because I. I I forget who I asked this question to before. It might have been Andy or someone like that. But anyway, going back in the day, like say when I was boxing in the in the 90s and all that, like you had these great, uh, like as juniors, the travellers were unbelievable. They won everything, four schoolboy titles, yeah. NABCs, junior ABAs. Then when they got to the seniors, they all fizzled out. You see some great all fighters. All the, sort of the dis- O'Donnells in London. They, they see them disappear. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think? When was the changing of the times? Do you think it was when Billy Joe went and won a world title yeah. that sort of that, that started changing? Because that's when I sort of saw it changing. I seen I seen it. I only got married with, young and all that, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, I seen it changing with Andy. I guess and Andy for the travellers and the, for for the travellers in Ireland. Andy was one of the first guys to kind of change that um that environment where young kids won the Irish travellers won numerous Irish titles at the age of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Then got married, got the girlfriend, got married, and yeah. sail a V into the sunset. But now they're seeing the likes of me in Ireland doing it, seeing Andy Lee doing it, seeing Billy Joe Saunders, seeing Tyson Fury. So now they know 
that they can accomplish something in the sport because it has been accomplished. Success accomplished. breeds success, doesn't yeah, it? Correct. And that's what I'm saying. Like that's what I say. Like because historically, the travellers at 16 went and got married and had brilliant jobs, jobs and everything yeah. else, and yeah. they they were supplying for their families. You see them just sort of fizzle off. They put on a lot of weight, yeah. and it's just they go from being this yeah, yeah. young kid you think is going to be a world superstar to mm. sort of Can't disappearing. But that has changed so much now. Like we see so many travellers that are active pros and a lot of them like you say world champions or going to become world champions you know what I mean got this young man here just talking about turning pro you're you know a superstar in the making and it's just like it's a changing in the times yeah so that's what exactly what the things we want to get across to people the Irish travellers especially for boxing and mental health in Ireland along with the traveller family you know um, there's a company that I'm working with it's called Pieta House um, they're a suicide prevention um, charity in Ireland that for people that's contemplating suicide or mm. self-harm or families that's been inflicted by suicide. Um, Have you come across it in your life Yeah, then? so in the last two, about last two years, we had two people in our family that committed suicide, uh, three weeks apart. My uncle William at 28 and my first cousin Paddy at 25, just a couple of weeks between the two of them. So since that Pietra house, we've been working together with them. Um, so their number is 1800 247 so it's a quite easy number, 1800-24-7. So if you have any problems, anything on your mind or your chest, give them a call. They're there to listen. It's a very interesting thing because we had David Adelaide in earlier and obviously he lost to Fabio Wardley last week. And the catharsis of being transparent about how he's feeling a week on from, from his, his loss in a fight, when people can't talk out about yeah. things and they, they stomach things up and they block themselves up, they don't release the pain inside no, they don't them. Release you're the, so right to get involved in this. Yeah, they don't release the pain. We had another choice to release our pain. Our fam- yeah, seen exactly. our families suffer so much. I yeah. mean, mm. crazily suffer. Mm. Seen Andy Lee has lost his niece last year in her early 20s of suicide. Mm. Kiro Sullivan, my co-manager, lost his best friend to suicide. So it hit our camp extremely hard. Mm. And it's very close to us, mental health in our family. And, and if I can... Um, get somebody to call that number and change their life. I think my deed is done in this earth. Do you do you do you feel? I, mean, you, I may be completely wrong here. That obviously the traveller race and the community is opening up more. And I can include you in this question, Jim, as well. And you're a very young man. Um, that it's really important that because because you are a tough yeah. race. I mean, you're, you're also people. I mean, I Spencer and I spent a lot of time around the traveller race. A lot mm. of people don't. Mm. When you're on the inside, there's this great honour code. Yeah. There's a great respect in in the race, you know? Yeah, they and have. there's a great, great respect for people outside the race. Yes. And it is a different way, but you you have to hold things inside. And I think maybe it's the time to encourage the community yeah. to be more open. Yes, in Ireland right now, there's a crisis going on, Spence. There's well over 500 deaths a year through suicide. Mm. In the traveller community, 11% of the deaths is called by suicide. These wow. is crazy numbers. Through not speaking out. Through, through not, not speaking out. By trying to be tough. And there's trying no to be to tough. Well, it's the proud Pulling man, around. isn't it? It's the it's culture. It's proud man, but it, it, times has changed, Spence. Mm, yeah. We're gone past all this proud thing. We need to get it off our chest. I've spent endless hours crying for my family members, but it was time has changed. We need to get out and speak about it, and that's exactly what we want to Let do. Let me ask the final question to young Jim tonight then, yeah? We're all slightly older. How important is that to get that message across to your um, age group, your 19 to the teenagers, to say, as you come through now, as you get married, that you open up and we stop this happening? Yeah, well, more importantly, um, you know, like, it's it's a temporary solution for a permanent thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, Paddy has a sister. He's her sister-in-law committed suicide at only fifteen years old only a couple of months ago. Tore families apart. You know what I mean? Um, it's more important to just get that mm. message out and for people to actually listen, take it in, and observe it. You know, call that number. Jim Paddy, you've got it on your on your kit as well. You've got those numbers. Yes, yeah, so on the kit. Yeah. I'm going to be wearing the okay. logo. Pietro House on my shorts for the next fight so it's a massive platform that I'm on but it's a platform that I want to spread mental awareness more yeah. than anything else Paddy give us that number again it's 1800-247-247 finally this week we were joined by Nina Hughes the WA World Women's Bantamweight Champion who said that she is pursuing the very biggest fights and she is not going to let up I don't know why I admire you so much, Nina, but I do. You hold down a day job. You're a mother. I don't know if you're a single mum still, but you hold down a day job. And every time I talk to you, you go, no, no, I can't come over today and do that show with you because I've got my day job to do. I've got to get to the gym. I've got to pick up my son from school. How do you do it all? I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any free time, but I just managed to fit it all in. How do you, how do you, do, how do you juggle that, though? Because like, I know, like, as an ex-fighter, I know how difficult that is. You know, the training takes up so much. Actually, you, boxing doesn't revolve around your life. Your life revolves around boxing. So how do you juggle being a mother and, you know, picking up the kids having from a school, day job. having a day job and all that? I mean, Nina, it's an how office job as well. In? It's not a job from home. It's an office job, isn't it? So you've got to be there. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky enough that I work I work three days a week. Um, I work from home two days and I'm in the office one day. So on the day, two days I work from home. I train on my lunch breaks. I run or do my strength conditioning in the evening. On the day I'm in the office, I run around London on my lunch break and then I train in the evening. So when do you sleep? Yeah. When do you sleep? Have you got time to sleep? <laughs> I have to go to bed with the kids just to have any energy. Wow. Well, I mean, listen, Nina, you've had really a remarkable career. You know, you, had, you was a stellar amateur and then you go and win a world title in your sick fight against ja Jamie Mitchell who beat Shannon Courtney and I saw that girl and I thought, you know what, she's a class actor but you're like a, a real workhorse, aren't you? you? You've got a great engine, go for 10 rounds and yeah, you, you, you won that title and you're just going from strength to strength. Where Tough as a next? rock. Tough as a rock. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just think I've got the determination and I believe in myself and I believe, I always had, I always believed that I could win a world title if I was given the opportunity to do so. Mm. And yeah, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity. And yeah, I left no stone unturned and I, there was no way I was coming back without that world title. I mean, we saw Jamie Mitchell. We saw her beat Ketch and Courtney. And we saw what class that girl had, actually. She trained out there. I believe she trained in the May, with the Mayweathers or something, didn't she? She she was one yeah. of those. And she had that sort of star quality about her. And I think you going yeah. into that contest were an underdog. But, I mean, you put in a, the performance of a lifetime, really. And, 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 yeah, you've just, you know, like I say, you've gone from strength to strength. But that one really caught my eye. That was like a coming-of-age fight for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we knew she, we knew Jamie Mitchell was a tough fight. Like, we really rated her as a boxer, um, but we just believed that we could do it, and we trained for everything, um, no matter what she could bring. And yeah, everything went to plan, apart from the cuts. Well, we had to, we had to change our game plan, but yeah, we changed it, and uh, yeah, we got the win. We'll get back, we'll get into your extraordinary um, manner in which you got into boxing. Um, yourself, but what I one of the things that's been formative for you in the last year or two, I mean, I know Leon um, from Takeover Sports Management very well. He's been instrumental in placing you in the right areas. You know, get you getting sponsorship, having freedom 
to and, and, and jiggling position for you because that's been one of the difficult things for you is getting into the right position as a professional female fighter, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Leon's been a real big help. Um, yeah, getting me sponsorships, helping with my PR side and just just trying to get gain more um, experience and more confidence. Um, just pub, just trying to get more in the public eye and just um, building myself and building my profile. Because the thing is, that's why I mentioned at the beginning that, you know, mum, office worker, five days a week, full time, you love fighting, you love the gym. There isn't the prospect at the moment for many men, but also many women coming up through the sport to make a full-time living. And I think it's a travesty that you're a world champion and you have to, you've got a five-day-a-week job. <laughs> it is a travesty. Yeah, it is a travesty. Absolutely. I think it's down, a lot of it's down to the volume that are around at the moment. But you've got your people like, you know, you, you mentioned Ebony Bridges there. I'm sure that if you have some sort of like unification bout there, surely that captures the imagination enough because... Nina's an inspirational young lady who's come up and, you know, people know her know her story. I'm Get glad you called her a young away. lady. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> she, she's certainly younger than you. and, and She's a, a lot young, like, She's and, younger than you. Yeah, and, and, no, but, but, he, but the point that Spencer's making, and I want to emphasise this, is obviously Ebony Bridges is out there and she's created a brand and she's working in gyms and, you know, she, she's got her own way of kind of showing off her body. She was a bodybuilder before and, mm -hmm. you know, she's she's got that... I think she um, was actually a ring card girl. And well, a ring card girl yeah. and all those things. Like, she uses her own, you know, sexuality to sell herself as mm -hmm. well, which is nothing wrong with that in my view. She wants to do that. Nina's a very different kind of character, very contained, very much the traditional... Um, I want to say... How, Lady boxer, if you Absolutely. like, she's a, she's a lady, um, and, and and you carry yourself like a lady, don't you? Uh, I mean, in the, in the <laughs> like a gentleman carries himself like a gentleman, and a lady, I mean, like a gentleman boxer. You're making me boxer. blush now. You're, I'm I glad mean, you're blushing. Yeah. <laughs> Nina's not blushing. I can see her on the screen. She's not even. She never blushes. Yeah, she <laughs> never blushes. Um, but do you ever feel? God, I should be earning more. I'm a world champion. I should just be able to be a pure professional fighter at this point and just go to the gym every day, have sponsorship, earn a couple of hundred grand in the background as a fighter and earn a couple of hundred grand every time I fight. Yeah, 100%. I wish that it was just about boxing, but it is about building your profile. And unfortunately, people that have bigger profiles but less talent can get further in the sport just because it's an entertainment and they sell tickets so I get it but yeah it is an unfair business in that sense where the better boxer doesn't always get the chances and the opportunities. Do we see you fight Ebony Bridges soon? Um, Shannon Courtney's another fight I'd like to see you in. Obviously we'd like to see unifications. She is one yeah. of the, she, you, you've said to me I think you've said consistently out there you feel that she's running scared from you. Do you think Ebony Bridges is running scared from from you and meeting you in the ring, Nina? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the big fights that I want, but they're the fights that we can't seem to make, so... Yeah, but is she running I mean, away from you in your one view? Day, but... But is she, yeah, but, but come on, is she, do you believe that she doesn't fancy it in the ring with you? Yeah, I think if she did, if she was that confident in her own ability of beating me... She'd want that fight straight away. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't if you're the, if you're confident in yourself? 
why wouldn't you want to unify for another belt? I totally get that, Nina. Do you know what? That's the nutty world that we're living in right now. And I want to pick up on what you just said just now. It's all about profile, isn't it? A lot of it is about profile and about how they sell themselves out the ring. Where it used yeah. to be, back in the day when I was boxing, where it used to be, like, it was how good you was in the ring. And then if you had a little bit of charisma outside of it, you become a superstar. But it was all about what you'd done in the ring. It seems to have flipped these days where it's more about what you do outside of the ring. And then if you can do a bit inside the ring, that's the way that it works. Yeah. Like, you know, like you like you say, you're a girl that likes to keep yourself to yourself. You don't go around shouting and dissing people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you can really fight. And I think that what people need to know about you is I think that people need to invest in your story and your, you know, where you come from and how inspirational that is. And I think that's the selling point for you. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go out there and do, you know, certain things that people do this day and age to get recognised. I think it's more about getting your story out there and letting people know yeah. that it's everything's achievable. Do you know what I mean? Single mum, kids, taking them to school, working like you do and becoming a world champion. I mean, that is an inspiration and it's like, you know, to anyone. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's all since social media started, isn't it? It all becomes down to who's got the most followers and how popular on social media. You've been listening to the Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth Davis. My thanks to Spencer Oliver, Frank Warren, and all our guests tonight for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and listen to all our shows on the home of boxing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.